Welcome back to Pod in the Red Sox, blogging the RedSox.com podcast. It's been a little while. I'm your host, Brendan Campbell. And today, I'm happy to be joined by uh, Katie Morrison, who covers the Worcester Red Sox for MassLive.com. Katie, thank you for joining me today. Uh, how are you enjoying your second off day of the minor league season? <laughs> uh, it, it's been okay. It's a beautiful day out. So um, I, I'm still writing, though I still have a, a notebook to do. So it just, baseball never sleeps, it feels like. <laughs> And before we get into any Woo Sox related topics, um, Katie, how did you first get into covering baseball in the first place? Because from what I looked up, it was like you kind of into photojournalism. Yeah, actually. So I started way back in um, 2012 was my first year. I was interning um, for the Red Sox radio broadcast at Fenway. And so I did that for a couple of years, um, 2012 and 2013. And I got to you know, uh, learn the ropes. And then in 2014, I wrote for, um, for WEI.com. So I learned a lot from um, Alex Spear. He was still working there at that point. It was him and Rob Bradford, who's, who's still there. So they taught me well. Um, then I, I went to do some local uh, journalism after that. So I have a lot of experience in like high school sports, things like that. Um, but I've been in Worcester for about three years now. I work actually um, as well at Clark University, one of the local colleges out here. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of all over the place in, in the sports scene and I take a lot of pictures. You can usually find me with my camera on. And what went into the process of you becoming a MassLive.com's uh, Worcester Red Sox beat writer? I and mean, how would you say your role differs from like what a Red Sox beat reporter does? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's an exciting time, obviously, in, in Worcester with the Woo Sox and with a lot of other stuff going on. So I think at Mass Live, we're really trying hard to get into the Worcester market and make that a big priority for us. So um, I kind of came on board because I had that experience and I'm and I'm I'm local and, it, you know, it's it was nice to kind of be able to watch things take shape um, just up the road from me. But yeah, my, my role is we have we have a lot of um, people who are covering different bits of, of the Worcester Red Sox because there's just so much um, that is, you know, part of the city. There, there's so many like kind of tentacles, arms, whatever of, of what's going on at Polar Park. So um, what I do is, you know, I'm the day-to-day person there at, at the ballpark. Um, the, you know, keeping score, I, I write all the game stories and uh, try to have a, a notebook every every day. So yeah, I've definitely learned a lot in the past few weeks. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, like just the different angles. So you're more responsible for like the game to game stuff as, as opposed to like fan experience and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. Um, we have a columnist, uh, Matt Votor, who, who does, um, you know, more of the big picture kind of things, especially when it comes to, you know, how the, the team is integrating like into the city. We also have um, Nick O'Malley does, um, he, one of his big columns is, um, you know, he, he eats different foods around the ballpark, so you don't have to. Um, it, we, I mean, I think we had like six different people there on opening day. It was crazy. On day too it really um, thins out but uh you know we're we're definitely hot on the woo socks and i think that i think there's a there's a big market for it there's an appetite for it for sure when you're writing are you like focusing on like how the top prospects are doing or more just like the game overall yeah it's a little bit of 
both, but I would say the main, my main focus is kind of what the, the prospects are doing, especially right now. I figure um, when it comes to maybe August and September, my, my job will shift to being more of a, a, a play-by-play type of, type of a reporter. But um, luckily they have given me plenty uh, to write about. <laughs> and with COVID restrictions loosening in Massachusetts, like I think like Charlie Baker just announced like they'll all be uh, gone by like the end of May basically. So uh, do the Woosox have any plans to let you media guys like onto the field, more access, stuff like that? Oh boy, do I hope so. Um, you know, that's, that has honestly been the biggest challenge of, of, of anything um, is just the, the COVID restrictions. I mean, um, anybody, any, any of us up in the press box are never allowed in the clubhouse or even on the field. I did sneak on for some pictures, but um, they don't let you talk to anybody. Um, you know, luckily, these guys have been doing post-game Zooms and, you know, it's not always the most comfortable environment. <laughs> Obviously, nobody wants to, you know, jump on a Zoom right after you've played nine innings, but um, they, they, they've, been, they've been trying. It's definitely, um, there's effort. It's just, it's just, it's a slow process to get back to normal for sure. Is the more frustrating part of the Zooms just like only having access to say like one person at a time, or is it like talking over people or? Yeah. And it's, it's, I think you're very aware of just, you know, how many questions you're asking and, you know, you got the little timer up in the corner and um, we try to keep it to, even if there are just two of us trying to just keep it to a, a couple questions each, but it really keeps you from being able to get in depth with these guys, especially the players. Um, you know, they've been really good. I mean, gosh, we talked to um, Kyle Hart, uh, and I mean, he, he talked for 20 minutes and it was great, but like, that was before the season. And, you know, at this point, it's just so hard to like, really get a chance to like, get to know them on that personal level to talk about things that weren't just what happened last night. You just don't have time for it. It's going back to the top prospects. Uh, besides a guy like Jaron Duran or Jeter Downs, have there been any minor leagues in Worcester that have like stood out to you so far? Yeah, um, it's a it's a shame that we haven't gotten to see um, Connor Wong play bare, barely at all because he was uh, taken out of the game with a hamstring injury on opening day at Polar Park. But you know, um, Marcus Wilson is a guy who he was the return for uh, Blake Swihart, um, and he's 24. He's a you know athletic outfielder. Um, he, he had a good homestand. He shows some power. He also just plays with a lot of energy and excitement, which is, which is fun. Actually, Jack Lopez, who just got called up from Portland, um, with all of the movement with, you know, Christian Arroyo being, being injured and Kike being injured. He, he hit a home run. He went back to back with Kike yesterday and he's just kind of an exciting player. Um, you know, he, he's he's a pretty solid hitter he's a he's great defensively he's quick um you know they have a lot of speed on this team um which is which is kind of surprising and and otherwise just the bullpen um there have been a lot of guys who have stood out in in small sample sizes because they have a huge roster of arms in the bullpen i mean it's like you only get to see a guy maybe twice a homestand or a series i should say six game series 
Caleb Ort, though, he's been the closer. Um, he's picked up four saves. I think made maybe five appearances. He's just been lights out. Um, he's really, as uh, pitching coach Paul Abbott said the other day, like just kind of taken the role and ran with it. But but yeah, they're it's an exciting group, honestly. And what have you made of Brandon Workman so far? Um, yeah, so Workman. This, I love having Workman here. It feels like my like little bit of a connection to when I covered them back in like 2013, 14. Um, it, it, it's we're, we're we both feel old now, I guess, um, especially amongst those guys. So his first outing, I would say he looked a little shaky. I would threw maybe like 23 pitches, maybe half of those were strikes maybe just a little bit too amped up, you know, um, that was on opening day. I'm pretty sure, uh, besides. So, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of energy, his second outing much cleaner, just got like two just easy ground outs. Um, I mean, his velocity, I think I wasn't watching every pitch, but it's still, it's still on, you know, on the lower end, I think it was around 92, 91. Um, but you know, what's great about him is just that like he's solid and just gets ground balls and just gets easy outs. And like, I think that's kind of what they want to see from him down there too. Uh, and you mentioned Connor Wong being heard a few minutes ago. Would you happen to have any updates on how guys like Connor Shebold or Tanner Houck are doing? Yeah. Um, Tanner, I think is going to start, Oh, it's today, Monday. So yeah, he, um, he should be throwing today or tomorrow, just starting to play catch. Um, that's what, uh, Paul Abbott said, I think, uh, day yesterday, boy, all the, all the days just run together. Um, uh, so he, I think he's, you know, feeling normal. Um, Connor Siebold, he was at the park for opening day, um, to get checked out. Now he's down in Fort Myers. They're just, they're just taking some time with him. Um, I think it's going to be a, a little while longer before we see him. Uh, um, but it, it would be nice because once those, once those two guys are back, this rotation will, will look pretty good. And was there a part of you that was disappointed when uh, Brian Mata underwent Tommy John surgery? Was that someone you were maybe looking forward to seeing like a few months ago? It's kind of, it's been, it's kind of brutal on the pitching front, right? That was the the, the first big one. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of say like, man, it always happens. You, you lose one <laughs> to an injury and then to have like, how can Seabold go down like that too? But yeah, to lose, to, to lose him to Tommy John like that is, is tough. You know, I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach when they, when they shut him down, you know, that they were just kind of hoping that they could avoid it, but um, you know, hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later next year. Cause it will be exciting to see him. Are there any Red Sox prospects or minor leaguers at the double A level or below that you would like to see get promoted to Worcester this season? Like a Tristan Cassius, Ronaldo Hernandez, Thaddeus Ward, guys like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that Cassius might be, I mean, not that there's a ton of a uh, room, room for him right now, but he's definitely been putting on a, a show in Portland. So um, that's going to be fun. I, I, I don't know for sure, but it kind of seems like, you know, both him and Duran are going to be moving and, you know, at similar speeds and maybe once Duran heads up to the majors, um, you know, we're going to, we'll get another <laughs> top prospect here. Um, yeah. Same thing with, with Thaddeus Ward. I think that, I think that he'll be exciting 
to watch. And, um, you know, they just, there are a lot of catchers in, in this system as well, which is something that's interesting. I feel like there's this real competition for playing time, competition for, you know, even, even without Connor Wong, um, just there, there's, there's a line, there's a line of catchers who um, have been playing well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, what will really be interesting to see, especially in these next six games is, well, A, no offense to the Syracuse Mets, but they, they're not that good of a team, <laughs> um, but we're going to see Buffalo again. Um, and they looked uh, great um, in, in the first series. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how these guys do when pitchers might have their number a little bit. Um, and if they can make adjustments, like I think that we're going to start seeing, you know, some guys separate themselves here. Did you go to um, Trenton for the first series against Buffalo? I didn't. I didn't. I was uh, I was stuck at home. I was just listening <laughs> to, uh, luckily, they have a great broadcast, radio broadcast. But um, I'm really excited to see their pitchers. Unfortunately, uh, Nate, Nate Pearson's hurt. Um, but Alex, oh, boy. Is Manoa? It Noah, thank you, because I, I haven't actually said his name out loud. <laughs> I could spell it. Um, but he's been lights out. Um yeah, he's hasn't allowed a run yet. I think only three hits. So that that's going to be fun to see. Uh, one thing to one thing the Woo Sox will will probably need to work on. Although I know this is kind of a part of the game, but in the in the opening series, I mean, they struck out eighty times, seventy nine times against Buffalo pitching. There were one hundred and forty nine strikeouts in that series combined between the two teams. Um, so uh, I'm expecting. A lot of a lot of strikes, and hopefully they can put that on the ball this this upcoming series. Do you find it all confusing oh, that the uh, Bison's are wearing Triton Thunder stuff? Because I mean, I was watching that series, and I, I was just like, yeah, watching it, found it kind of confusing. Every time I go to write it, I I a have to remember that they're in Trenton, and b like, have you seen that? Yeah, they're, right, because they're they're calling themselves the Thunder at home, and then like the Bison's on the road. This is the silliest thing, honestly. I've had enough of the confusing names for things. I never want to say the Boston Red Sox alternate site squad or anything like that again. And uh, I can't wait till things get a little bit more back to normal. But yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I can't I forget every time. Well, I assume it's for like uh, community engagement, like the, those mm. people around there are obviously going to be more familiar with the Trenton Thunder than the Buffalo Bisons. All about that marketing. You, you know? know, the Thunder don't like technically exist anymore because like they're defunct. Yeah, it's a weird kind of, they're almost like a little ghost team. <laughs> Turn to some like older players now, like you mentioned, Kike Hernandez rehabbing with the, the Woo Sox. Uh, usually when guys like that rehab with an affiliate, like there'll be some buzz around the team from amongst fans and media, what have you. So did you notice that with Kike over the weekend? Honestly, the fans, yes. Um, I, I think that um, especially, I don't know if as many people realized on Saturday that he would be there, but yesterday people were very much aware. So I, I think that... Um, it was, it was pretty exciting as far as, you know, media buzz. 
it's kind of a nice little refuge almost. There isn't a lot of media. This is also a reason why I'm like, who knows how, when things are going to get back to normal because, you know, normal like clubhouse access because, you know, these guys are probably enjoying not having all, you know, media around them all the time. So, you know, it was, it was nice. I just kind of sat in the stands and I usually spend the first few innings taking pictures. Um, so I was watching them during warmups and stuff. And, and it's so fun to see how guys like Kike or Danny Santana, who's been here for a few games now, um, just really kind of fit in seamlessly with these guys. Um, you know, they, they, they're always joking around together. They, you know, they talk to each other. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's going to, it's good to have those more veteran presences because this is a, it's a pretty young lineup. You know, there aren't a lot of guys who have had, especially not sustained major league success um, in this lineup. The pitchers are a bit of a different story, but you know, it's, it's different. So, yeah. What do you think about Chris Herman batting third? I thought that was interesting. A, a bit surprising. Um, you know, he, yeah, I, I think that the lineup, it's going to figure itself out a bit, but you would expect, I would expect maybe somebody more like Wilson or even Josh Ockamy, although he's a real all or nothing hitter. So I don't know if you want him batting third, but um, you know, yeah, Chris Herman is one of those guys. He's on, on the older side of, of the team, but he's, been solid you know um he's he's a solid hitter he's been pretty good behind the plate um honestly both him and jet bandy over the the past five games or whatever have been pretty good against a, a very fast team in in the mets i think they lead the the league and oh, their leadoff um hitter janeshwi vargas Argus. Um, he is just lighting fast, but they, they did a pretty good job keeping them from uh, running wild, but yeah, definitely, um, definitely an interesting choice. It was interesting to see Duran batting third too the last couple games. Cause Kike took the, the leadoff spot. Um, but there's definitely some tweaking that, that, um, I think is still going to be done. And that home run that Duran hit the other night, it was like 440 feet or something. Was that like all him or did the wind carry that? Because I've been reading like the wind plays there pretty, um, like it influences the ball there. It sure does. Um, it, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit of the wind, which was also something that was kind of crazy about Kike's home runs yesterday is there was like no wind and he just crushed them. But um, yeah, especially on opening day when Duran had, two home runs the wind is the wind was blowing out really strong and that ball just sails um and he he said after the game to or after one of the games that the wind more than anything is like what's impacting him uh in the outfield too just in terms of learning how that ball carries because it yeah it, it sure does um it's going to be, it's going to be interesting as we go through, you know, a few weeks and get some different weather, go through, um, yeah, go through some different situations to really see how this park plays, you know. And would you expect the ball to play differently once that uh, parking garage in left field is eventually completed? 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm almost a little bummed because it's such a nice view behind the, the scoreboard right now. You can see Union Station up in the back. Um, that's that's going to be interesting because it looks really, really wide open right now. Um, it, it looks, it is, and it looks like a long way to left center. Um, so I think maybe closing it in a bit will end and blocking the wind coming from that way. It it is kind of interesting to see. That's that's one of the crazy things about a brand new park. I, I don't think I've ever been to a brand new park like this is that things are going to change like every month. I feel like it's, it's, it's like a living park. It's constantly evolving. So um, although the playing field, you know, obviously isn't going to change too much. It's, it, it's pretty interesting to see how, how things play in, in real competition. And how much change have you noticed since, like, say, the alternate site workout started until, like, yesterday? It's been crazy, honestly. I probably it's just hitting me because it's so much, like, fan concession type stuff. But when I went in for, like, the last alternate site, one of the last alternate site days, I mean, the fields looked the same, but it, the walls were bare. There was no advertising. There were no names to anything going in on opening day just they have so many like cool spots and uh like um a, a little display case of of negro leagues memorabilia or, or from like the women's league or um of course just like a whole wall of like old paw socks programs or things like that it's just like um there's so much to like walk around and like find or see and i feel like i'm finding new spots every game just to like hang out and watch so it's it's a it's a pretty neat place to watch a game for sure and you mentioned the paw socks obviously the loose socks moved from Pawtucket, but like still at least to me it was a little confusing how like when kike hit that grand slam yesterday they said it was like the first grand slam in loose socks history but isn't it technically just like the loose socks just an extension of the paw socks yeah i think um they they're very much enjoying pushing all of the, these first, um, you know, I think that it, it, it is, it is strange. It feels like a new franchise in a way, even though, I don't know. I think that Larry Lucchino and Dr. Dr. Charles Steinberg, they, you know, really are excited to, um, get bring bring baseball back to Worcester is is such the, the theme of everything and being able to like give Worcester its own first um or I I kind of look at it more as like polar parks first because I mean that is pretty cut and dry you know what I mean um but it, it definitely is a weird you know it's almost a little sad in, in a way where you feel like it's they're almost kind of trying to establish this new identity, obviously. But to do that, you kind of have to separate yourselves from your old identity. And so the pots, it almost feels like, you know, the paw socks are, are, are dead and <laughs> retired. Um, and so among all the excitement about the, you know, the new franchise, there is definitely kind of that bittersweet. Yes, <laughs> too. Is there anything at Polar Park uh, honoring the 33 inning game, like the longest game in professional baseball from Pawtucket? 
I think there is. I think there is. There's one hallway that I haven't stopped to like look at the memorabilia, but it's all paw socks stuff. I'm also looking for, I'm a, I'm very strange. Don't ask me why, but my favorite baseball player uh, of all time is Bronson Arroyo. And so uh, I'm looking for memorabilia from his, um, it's a perfect game or no hitter. I don't even remember, which makes me a terrible fan. Uh, but uh, I, I know that that was back in like 2003, something like that. So they got to have that around there some someplace too. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if they kind of bring back some Paw Sox legends or whatnot to, um, you know, throughout the season, maybe to throw out first pitches or just kind of bridge that gap a little bit. And are paws and socks like active mascots for the Moose Socks, or were they just used on opening day? They, I think they were just used on opening day. I was almost surprised to see them. There were like seven mascots there. It was a, a little, a little overwhelming. <laughs> You're creeped out by mascots. I'm not, but <laughs> there was a lot. Um, it was, it was definitely an exciting uh, time. But yeah, I guess they're 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 going in storage for now. And are you a fan of the Smiley Ball mascot? Or does that creep you out? It's a little strange. The I really like the graphics of it. You know, I like it on the, um, you know, the patch or the, they really actually have some nice merch and I'm, I'm always really critical of, of merch, but um, it, I actually want to buy some of it. But the, the ball itself has some strange little wires that comes out the back of it. I don't know what those are for yet. He's watching Pedro try to hug Smiley Ball on opening day was worth it. It was worth any creepiness of that <laughs> very short, round smiley face. And you know where they're going to debut that? Um, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like Wepas, like the Spanish uniforms. I don't know. I have to check on that. They are still kind of solidifying their list of promotions, but I was actually, I was. I was expecting to see it during the first series. I, I have a feeling that we'll see it before the end of this homestand, but those are some nice jerseys. Um, I like the yeah. hats personally. Yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 They got some cool stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see those because I'm, I'm any, any new, anything new to take pictures of would be great. <laughs> Just the length of series in general. What do you make of them being six games? Is that like too long for you? The first two or three or four or. I'm uh, I'm interested to see how it goes when Buffalo comes in because I am so sick of seeing the Mets because they were here for a scrimmage too. I feel like that's all we've played or all I've seen, <laughs> Syracuse Mets. And so to see some kind of different players come in, it is a long, it's a long series though. You know, um, you, you get to, I feel like I'm going to be an expert on the six teams in this, what is it called now? It's not the international league anymore. It's triple a East Northeast, which is not nearly as fun as the international league, but whatever. So there are six, six teams. And I feel like by the end of the season, we're just, we're, we're going to know them very well. And uh, you mentioned Paw Sox. I assume you've been to McCoy stadium plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I love McCoy stadium. I was, we, I was just talking about it with, um, Joe McDonald, who covers um, the Woosocks for the Telegram and Gazette, but um, I, I ride my scooter to the park sometimes, and I was like, man, wish I could ride it down the the like um, the ramps 
that go down McCoy because those are super fun. But yeah, I spent a lot of time there. I covered I covered uh, the Paw Sox a lot in 2014. Did a lot of minor league baseball work, and that was that. I mean, that was a fun time too. Like 2012 to 2014. Yeah, it was it was a good time. So just for those of us who haven't been to Polar Park yet, how would you describe it and how would you compare it to McCoy? It is, well, my, my favorite part about it is, and I think something that's a lot different than McCoy is that it's really built into the middle of the city, which is great, is less great for parking. I'd miss McCoy Stadium's parking a whole lot. Um, but it's, you know, you can just pop out and just walk around like this really great area, like just, you know, leave your car wherever you're parked and go to a restaurant, like just being able to see the, you know, parts of the city through every single angle of the ballpark is like really cool. And also from a baseball perspective, there's like barely any foul territory at Polar Park, which is kind of interesting which from a fan perspective is really cool because you kind of feel like you're sitting on top of the players I mean like yeah behind home plate I mean it's 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 like a high school stadium (laughs) like I've been to high school stadiums that have more space than that um so the ball bounces back really quick and and you can see everything so so that's different It, it just feels a little tighter it feels tighter than than McCoy you just kind of feel like you're on top of the game and also it just like has a lot of nooks and crannies like a lot of I always kind of think when people say oh buy a standing room ticket you'll love it I kind of think that they're just trying to sell standing room tickets because that's all that's available but I really truly do get why they say it for Polar Park because like no matter like especially when there's 25% capacity, I'm not going to lie, it makes things a lot easier, but um, you're going to like want to see all kinds of different parts of the park. And especially once they get center field and left field done, it's yeah, it's a, it's a really cool place to watch it, watch a game. I mean, I'm always skeptical of things, but I don't have a lot of complaints. <laughs> so after spending all this time at Polar Park, do you think you'll enjoy Fenway as much as you have, or did you even enjoy Fenway in the first place? Yeah, I love I loved Fenway, but you know what's what's really nice about I think I I just I just love the the whole like vibe of minor league baseball. Um that's just always been appealing to me. And like I loved Fenway, but you know, it's just there's so many people there. There's so much press there. There's, you know, just so much kind of like I don't know, everything's so so set in a schedule and you just don't know what's going to happen it's been like really fun to like see you know maybe in between innings entertainment that they haven't totally thought through yet and it doesn't work quite right and you know they're just like a lot of silly things that like you don't necessarily get when you're out of major league game that I personally enjoy <laughs> um, it just kind of brings something different but um you know, also, also, I won't lie, the seats are a lot more comfortable than most of the seats at Fenway. If, if I don't have to sit in one of those rickety blue grandstand seats again, I, I wouldn't be too upset. <laughs> All right, uh, last question for me. Uh, at 7-5 and five through 12 games, through two series, are the Usox going to be a team worth paying attention to this season? Yeah, I think, I think they will be. And I think it's going to be a, a pretty – 
luckily they play in a pretty competitive division. And so I think that they're, you're going to see these guys be tested. Um, and I, I really think that they are an exciting team and we're going to, we're going to see what these really talented kids can do. I mean, there's no doubt that like Jaron Duran is very talented and, you know, same thing with Jeter. It's Jeter Downs. I can't just say his first name. It's too weird. Um, but, you know, they, their, their athleticism, their talent shows and they're fun to watch. Um, so I think, you know, no matter what happens, we, we, it will be a fun season. All right, Katie Morrison, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, you can follow Katie on Twitter at KatieMo61 and read her Woosocks coverage at MassLive.com. Katie, thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.